and we are live nice on the set of saskatoon and somewhere in ontario guelph guelph for the third... guelph ontario where the water is harder than steel harder than steel so is this the third episode we got i guess so that's pretty cool you can count them as episodes yeah <laughs> or partitions of our <laughs> I don't know, weekly lives. Um, it's pretty That's cool. Right. I got the, uh, it's all set up. Like basically how it works is you, you so like SoundCloud has an RSS feed for your account, right? And when you mm -hmm. upload something, it populates that RSS feed. So all you have to do to connect to like any other services is you just give them the link to your RSS feed and it automatically populates so like I hooked up to Spotify just for fun, and uh, yeah, sure enough, it's it's oh, yeah. there. And was that easy enough? Yeah, it didn't have to do cool. anything. It, it's already like it's fully launched. The icons there, like our description, titles, and everything. Uh, so it's pretty cool. Wow, yeah, I make to, it easy now. I have to cool. um, end up paying probably like fifteen bucks a month or whatever for Spotify because I think they only allow you to upload up to a certain amount of storage and podcasts or. Well, usually like an hour long or whatever, so it's it's not like the right, the right, odds, right. But um, well worth it, and like it's pretty comparable to other prices around, I think. So, very cool. How you been? Pretty good. Um, also, just been in the lab, but uh, looks like we we may have gotten um, a decent uh, grant. Um, so we might be coming into like a big amount of funding. Oh really? For a lab, so yeah. So like, I guess it's not official yet, but like it's almost a guaranteed thing. Um, and we're gonna get like a big amount of money. So like, I'll hopefully be able to start doing some like fMRI studies and stuff. It's gonna be really. And what's really fun. A, what's an fMRI? So normally, like, the way we have up to date been looking at brains and looking at um, the output of brains been using um, electrophysiology so where we will basically put little electrodes into the parts of the brain and we and we have to you know really think about where we want to put those and, and specify the locations and and read from a, a very specific little population of neurons in that spot hmm. um, and you get really really good um, time resolution like like sub milliseconds so you, you get really good a really good idea of what's going on in that spot only in that spot only in the spots where you actually get electrodes right um whereas an fmri is that's like when you when you see like images of like brain imaging it's almost always fmri mm. or just mri in general and that is able to look at the whole brain and and the the time resolution isn't that great but the space res resolution is really good right and so you can see the entire brain operating uh, and you can you can kind of correlate different regions together and see which regions are talking to each other um and so it just gives you a much broader field to be looking at a particular question from. That's got to like be a, perspective. a huge uh, advancement for you guys, like to be able to look at that. Oh yeah, yeah. To do that. That's crazy. That's right. So like we don't even have it at our university. We'll have to like um, basically like rent an Airbnb at Western <laughs> and just like go there for like a month and just like run fMRI studies using their. They've got big, crazy, expensive fMRI machines. Like they're they're like millions and millions of dollars these machines like they're Holy. crazy complicated um even like explaining how they work is like quite a um 
complex task because right. it's are it's they really like complicated. like you have to have licensing to use them or is it just kind of like a really expensive Good question i'm not sure I, i'm not sure how like like they don't produce any radiation or anything so you don't have to worry about that kind of stuff it's not like an x-ray or anything or a ct scan or anything like that right um but because um they're super high power and i think you need like to cool them with liquid helium and stuff so like oh it's, wow I, I don't think just anybody can just buy an MRI machine. I think, right. I think you have to have some kind of okay, I'm assuming. So it's kind of like one of those, but, yeah. they have them like super cooled almost, like those people that overclock their computers, so they have like that stuff, just like liquid nitrogen, I guess is what it is. You said liquid, yeah. liquid helium? Yeah, yeah, I think like the, I think the key, yeah, liquid helium, because um, it gets real, real cold, colder than liquid nitrogen, I believe. Crazy. Um, that's cool because yeah i guess if you if you look at like the the um noble gases helium's like the top right one right i think it's about as i guess maybe liquid hydrogen would well no i don't know i think liquid helium is like the coldest substance you can pretty much get that's probably bullshit you can probably get anything super cold but liquid helium is pretty legit that's sweet um I guess it's super coils or super cools, but like the coils or whatever that they produce the magnetic field with. I, I don't actually know how it works, or I, like I know some of, some things about it. But. Right. I'm gonna. It's um, gonna be super cool. I hope in the in the future, in the near future, where they like start making more products for consumers that like you know EKG and stuff like that. Um, I have this device here. I don't know if we talked about it before, but it's called a. Sorry, I just lost. Uh... Oh. There we go. Hey, lost audio for a second. Sir, yeah, where did you? Sorry, say that again. You uh, consumers making consumer products for what? Sorry. Oh, like EKG and just like just like things about your brain signals or like. Oh yeah, in yeah. General. I uh, I don't know if we talked about this before, but mm -hmm. I have this like device that I bought. It's called a Muse, and it like listens to your. Oh yeah, yeah. You did mention that signal, like your brain waves, like when you're meditating or whatever. Um, and it's actually fairly mm -hmm. quick and snappy, like, and it's it's very um accurate. So if I'm thinking about something, it like increases the background noise of like the forest or whatever, right? And then when right. I go quiet, it like knows and it goes plays quiet and then actually birds start chirping. That's what you're trying to shoot for. It's almost like a game. Right. It's a yeah, neurofeedback system. Yeah. Right? So you're exactly you're getting feedback on a particular um probably got a particular like frequency that it wants you to focus yeah, on. I don't know if it's like data like, or like one of those. One of the one of like the more meditative frequencies that uh, mm -hmm. is associated with some of those mindfulness techniques. And then there's four. Um, I'm not sure if those like that like that thing you have like because it looks like it's only got like seven electrodes or something. Well, it's or got five. some on the front, and then it's got these two things on the back um, that also go behind your ears, so it reads kind of okay. like like I, I don't know. It's kind of weird because it's it's kind of like more of my um, actual thinking happens to the back like by the ears and then some of the stuff that i when i get like deeper or whatever that's when these guys the front ones start playing like more of a role i don't know it's pretty yeah interesting. i'm not sure how, like yeah i'm not sure if that would have the resolution to pick up a lot of stuff but um but it's got the right idea like i, I mean the cortex is really the main place that you could pick that kind of stuff up because it's got a certain layered structure that can kind of amplify some of those signals right i'm not sure what you'd be getting behind the ears there yeah, I don't um, know. I think maybe. But yeah, yeah, interesting. I'm not too. I'm not too sure either. Um, 
but it's but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see like where that field goes in terms of um, yeah, like, I know um, there's actually already uh, there's already some use of those things in China, I believe, or maybe it's in Japan or something, but I think it's China where they have like classrooms of like little kids and they put those things on them and they like it's supposed to like they're trying to like make themselves as calm as possible right and like the, when the teacher if the teacher like notices like one is like not particularly calm they'll just like they can like focus on that student more oh my gosh that's almost kind of <laughs> um, to the extreme creepy yeah <laughs> well that's a, the thing is is like i don't think those things are necessarily that accurate so i think it's more of like a placebo for the kids than anything mm-hmm. um, it's interesting though that you say that because it it like it, to me, it's very as a, as somebody who's not part of that like science background where you're when you're monitoring feedback from like a mm-hmm. brain or whatever, right? When I'm thinking of a thought, it's like the first time I've ever been able to connect that what I think about or my voice up here. Like if I'm talking internally, this thing goes wild, right? And like if I'm interesting, and, yeah. And what's even cooler is that like because I've meditated now like pretty pretty consistently, I'm getting like pretty good at it, so I can go like deeper and deeper into it or whatever, um, mm-hmm. and like certain things that I think about when I meditate, like I, cause I can think about and have conversations and be quiet. But when I first put it on and I'm first starting, if I'm thinking about something, it's loud. Like there's too much feedback going on. So it's almost like when I get into that right. deeper state, it's, it's like a more clear level of thinking, I guess. It's really, it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Yeah. So I'm pretty, I don't know. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I, no, that is cool. I, I wonder if it's like, Again, like just being like a skeptical neuroscientist, wondering if it's more picking up on the muscle contractions in your blinking, mm. and that the deeper you're going, the more relaxed you're getting, and so your eyes are probably moving less. I possibly. think that's yeah. I, I, I don't like. I mean, it could be. It it could be accurate. I mean, I I don't really. I obviously I don't study that, so I, I wouldn't know for sure. But I think that definitely um, plays a role because if you're moving around, yeah. it it obviously. Is sensing that but at the same time if you're moving around you're you're more of an actively minded mm-hmm. person anyway right so it's kind of probably like right yeah true, true. same similar it's probably a yeah. good um it's a good measure regardless <laughs> yeah like i'm sure you're correct in saying that it's not 100 percent reading like my brain like it's not like i can fit an mri into a 200 dollars piece of technology right but it's, yeah or, or even like an eeg that has like you know 150 electrodes or whatever yeah. like this one it does say um, like oh if you're forehead is like wet or whatever you should dry it off because it doesn't have that much of a connection so i know it's doing something okay. um, unless all that yeah, is just kind of marketing in there well it's interesting that it would say that actually because i i know with eegs you you you're supposed to put a little electrolyte between the electrode in your head well actually this one maybe maybe i um, just lied to you i think this one says if it's super uh I, I have to look it up but i think i think maybe it says i mean it makes sense if, if yeah. you're if your whole forehead is wet then that's obviously going to be a problem but um so kind of that makes sense not sure but... in any case for meditation just in general um do you use an app or anything or do you just go freestyle uh so with this um like thing that i have here i pretty much meditate with this thing pretty religiously like every day if i can when i'm on okay, my yeah. Uh, habits which is something i want to talk to you about as well um and this has an app on the phone um for like this and that's how it all connects together or whatever because then you you use that and then you have like my headphones or whatever that i listen to and that's what plays the feedback um and so it's just the muse app is what it's called so people if anybody the one person is listening 
uh, pardon me. Um, this is called a Muse too. Our moms. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> you tell your mom about this? No. Oh, I told my mom about it. She was like, "Oh, I'll try and listen to it." <laughs> yeah, I'll tell her about it. Um, and then it, yeah. So it just kind of like picks up like um, how how much your brain was active, how much it wasn't, or oh, sweet. whatever okay. it determines is that. Um, and it's got like goals on here. Plus, there's like different types of meditation. It has it has mind, heart, body, breath, and guided and whatever. But I pretty much only use the mind, and I'm pretty okay. sure I don't know how the other ones would be different. But well, I know like there are different styles of meditation for different things. Mm -hmm. um, like mindfulness is like the main one that has the most research behind it. Right. Um, but there's also loving kindness, which is a pretty big one mm. um which is basically just like it's kind of just active uh right well actually no that's not true there's also like gratitude is like also kind of like a that's part of that hard as well one. but they're just they're good for different things it's similar yeah yeah exactly well love and kindness is like you think of somebody and like basically just like send as much positive energy and like mm. it kind of just gets your brain in the in the it, it's similar to gratitude and that it, just, it gets your brain in this zone of just like always giving positivity and mm -hmm. That's really good for your brain. <laughs> it's really good for you. You feel good right. about yourself when you're doing that. Something um, I find is really, really cool. Um, and since I was like seeing this counselor or whatever, which has been for probably about close to six months now, maybe a bit shy of that. Um, but it's mm -hmm. like this whole system of like, like, like big traumatic, big traumas and like little traumas that may have happened to you as like a kid or whatever have like a huge impact in mm -hmm. like who you are today or whatever, right? Um, and a big trauma could be like, you know, right. obviously like abuse or something like that. And a small trauma could be like anything. Um, and mm -hmm. after reading like countless books about or on the subject, um, like a child essentially needs only, there's like three things a child needs. It's like food, water, shelter, and then like the needing to like belong or whatever. Right. Right. And so whenever a child feels like, like whenever a child is crying, like a baby or whatever, it's because he's mm -hmm. interpreting that he's being abandoned or however that is. Right. Um, and so a cool thing or just about, needs one of its needs. <laughs> just, yeah, it's just yeah, yeah that, that too. Yeah, if, you, if you're starving your child, but like if one of those one of those needs is the, the yeah, comfort and how, however rational or irrational those needs might be, it's just what the child interprets, right? So that would be kind of classified as a, a small trauma or a small T trauma or whatever. Right. Um, but what's interesting is that like through this meditation and and kind of like this hypnotherapy or whatever, um, you can like you get yourself into like a really relaxed calm mind and then if you can think about a time where you had like such feelings of like anger or sadness or whatever you can kind of like go and visit like your younger self or whatever right that's kind of like, mm. like the practice of it mm -hmm. and then you kind of like be that role model you be that parent figure to like your younger self or whatever it's, it's, a, it's a really interesting thing but it actually works quite uh well like when I when my counselor mm -hmm. was doing it with me or whatever, um, and you go and visit a time that might have been particularly sad or, or caused lots of anger, um, you feel it, right? And you feel it in like certain different mm -hmm. areas in your body, whether it's like up here if you're angry in mm -hmm. your face or you kind of like you're losing your stomach or whatever. Um, and then once you're like comforting that person or whatever, like in your head, you, you actually feel like a lot happier. And then like I, I had quite a bit of anxiety around a few things or whatever, um, like driving and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And uh, just kind of revisiting right. those times or whatever, it, like the anxiety goes away, and like I can feel it. Like I'm anxious when I, because when you're in that deep level of thought, it's almost like you're reliving that same level of anxiety when it's happening. And then when you can calm yourself, like you, so I feel like anxious, and then I'm like 
oh no, it's okay. Like da 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 da. And then all of a sudden I just feel it go away. And like, I, oh man, it's actually quite crazy. That's um, awesome. Yeah. It's, it's essentially like it's exposure therapy. Yeah. That's what it is, but it's, it's doing it. It's getting you into a mind state, mind, like a mindset of a sort of acceptance and, and getting you into a state where it's really easy um, to be calm with that anxiety. Yeah. It's giving you a chance to maybe act out those, like, cause when I, when I was a kid or whatever, um, especially being like a male, uh, you don't really get the time to like, you know, cry about something. You don't really get the time to really yeah. feel or express your emotions. So it kind of almost gives you that opportunity to live in that, sit with that like pain or whatever it is, and then be like, okay, now it's okay. Right. And so it's kind of like, you know, you just kind of visit that time and you make it better. Yeah. It's like, huh, that's a pretty interesting like it's crazy how much it actually works. Like I was a big skeptic on the whole counseling slash hypnotherapy mm. or what, like any of that. Well, kind of especially stuff, yeah, right? especially because like that's like kind of psychotherapy style, which is um, which is what it is. In some ways, falling out of favor, but in some places, it's it's still like going strong. It's just kind of changed because like that is similar to. Um, there's another thing I've heard about quite a bit. That's I've heard it's worked for a lot of people. Is um, it's called uh, EMDR, which is like an eye movement thing where mm. like you like watch this little thing go back and forth, and it's supposed to like it's supposed to like simulate um, REM. You kind of go right. into this state of like kind of like sleep like state, and then uh, it's the same thing. You just kind of like think about things that from your childhood that might have been um, traumatic, and then you just kind of accept it mm -hmm. because you're kind of distracted almost, and you're in this mode of like healing i guess because it's supposed to be kind of like sleep and i'm not sure like i'm not sure if there's they've done any studies on seeing if like the eye movement thing is really what's happening or if it's more just similar to what you're doing where it's just a calm state where you're mm -hmm. like almost not like semi-distracted almost like you're just in kind of a subconscious like calm state yeah and then revisiting the traumatic events and kind of viewing them um almost as an outsider like almost as kind of viewing it neutrally and trying to get through that almost like disturbing aspect of it. Yeah, like like what the big proponent of this <clears throat> counseling is you like visit little Tyler or whatever is is what my counselor right. calls it specifically, right? So you're you're being that role model to that kid who mm -hmm. was had no idea what was going on or what was happening, right? So that's kind right. of like, it's like that same kind of aspect. Um, right, you're, you're kind of like closing the loop in that like if you can be that thing to yourself, yeah you're not gonna have any like then you can't look at yourself back then and be like oh poor little tyler yeah exactly you're like well clearly i'm okay now mm -hmm. if i'm able to like provide this for myself that's interesting and that's the whole kind of like um aspect in that self-help where it's like you have to love yourself first right and a mm -hmm. lot of those feelings or whatever that might have happened as a child or whatever gives you that um definition of oh i don't matter or oh i'm i'm being abandoned so i now have a fear of mm -hmm. whenever certain things might happen like like for example um part of like the whole reason this all came up in, in counseling and whatnot is because of certain things that i was doing now where i'm like why why do i get anxious when i'm doing this or why do i feel like this happens and like why do i self destruct myself right mm -hmm. why do i do things that self-sabotage my relationships or whatever it is that's happening and then you start looking into it and it's like, well, something probably happened when you were younger um, that has played a role, right? So it's like, okay, well, if you were in a really crappy relationship when you were young, chances are you're gonna try to find that same relationship because you have these um, underlying 
thoughts about yourself, right? Like, okay, I'm not good enough or I'm not, you know, I don't, I'm not worthy of like a really good relationship. So you try to find relationships that mirror what you know. It's kind of like that Stockholm syndrome stuff, right? And mm-hmm, so by mm-hmm. doing this practice of going back and being like, no, 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 like there's nothing wrong with you. Like just be like, you didn't cause this. Like no matter what you interpreted at the time, you just kind of tell yourself back then or whatever that, okay, no, this is different or. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I think it's, yeah, it's like a, people try to justify their traumatic experiences by almost recreating them. Mm-hmm. Um, there seems to be like a really strong correlation with people that abuse others are almost, were, were almost always abused. And it's this feeling of like, well, it can't have been that bad if I'm doing it now, you know, it's like, or right. it's like a way of justifying it in that, in, and trying to like remove the traumatic experience from yourself by like keeping it going, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which is like totally backwards from what needs to be. Mm-hmm. And that's um, like a parent and bullying. You can do that with every, with everything in your life. Yeah. Like any, any negative thing like that, you can try to rationalize it by mm-hmm. either avoiding it entirely or by recreating it right. in your own relationships. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very cool aspect. Like, just like recently, I'm like, I'm like, man, I can't believe I, I'm only just learning about this now. Like, because when you get into that that deeper level of like relaxing, or whatever, you know how I was talking mm-hmm. about like you go back in time into like traumatic events or whatever. It's mm-hmm. almost like when you, like the first time I did that with my counselor, or whatever, I like went pretty relaxed or whatever, and I didn't have to think of a time. It was just like it was just like bang, this memory just popped up, and I was like, this is weird. I was like, what is that? Like, I've never yeah, experienced Yeah, just surfacing. Yeah, and, it's, and then yeah. I was just like, oh, okay. Like, I guess this is what I have to deal with right now, right? Like, it's, it's very, yeah. it was very interesting. Yeah, I, I had a similar experience with, well, with that M, uh, EMDR, where, where uh, somebody had, on Reddit had made, like, an app for it, mm. like a web app, where it was just, like, this thing bouncing across the screen, and they were just like, just, like, sit down and watch it for a while, and... Mm-hmm get it up to a speed that we're as fast as you can get without you know and and at it says right on it like don't do this alone like yeah you, you don't know like what it's gonna like awaken in you but i was like ah, fuck it. it's a thing bouncing across the screen yeah right but um it is that same thing where like 20 minutes in i just like all of a sudden things would just like surface and i and like i would actually like start crying like i was like mm. these things are and, and uh yeah it's i i think it's it's a really interesting thing that your brain does when it gets into a state like that, where mm. it's just like all of a sudden these things will just kind of surface and then you can kind of face them in a, in a new way. Right. And, um, and again, it, and it just gives you a chance to kind of relive them in as like a mature adult that can actually handle these kinds of things. Yeah. And kind of give your, um, not like justify, but kind of like, you know, a big thing in like the self-help or whatever is telling yourself that it wasn't you necessarily, right? Like it's not, mm-hmm. it's making yourself that that you still matter. It's not like that didn't happen to you because you're not lovable or you're not good enough or you're not whatever, right? Um, so that's kind of like the whole thing is like you go back and you kind of console that kid and be like, hey, this, you had nothing, there, this was out of your control, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this didn't happen because you were a bad person or da, 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 da. But at, at that time, that's how you interpret it. So you kind of revisit that, you change the dynamic, and mm. then you come out feeling way better. Um, yeah. It's also interesting. Although I, I think, oh, like, it doesn't it, – or, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was I was just going to kind of flip something else. So if you want to well, you go back to mine. In a second. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say it's – but it's it's also not re – like, it's it gives you a chance to re-narrativize it in such that you are not – it's not your fault or whatever. But um, I don't think it – it doesn't switch the – um, it doesn't switch it in a way where 
now it's someone else's fault either. Like it doesn't re-narrativize it in such that you're a victim either. Mm-hmm. It kind of just re-narrativizes it in such a way that um, it was just an experience and that it doesn't have to define you and it doesn't have to, you know, it doesn't have to be someone else's fault either. Yeah, and, and sorry, I didn't mean to say that. Um, it's not like a blaming thing. It's not like I, I something may have happened mm-hmm. to me and it's like I'm putting, it's exactly what you said. It's just kind of like, um, this doesn't define who I am, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't, it doesn't, yeah. like, um, yeah, the whole point is just to go back, because even if you did something objectively wrong, uh, you can still go back and mm-hmm, be like, mm-hmm. you know, okay, we made a mistake, you know, but we're still mm-hmm. a decent person, we're still, you know, we still does, we still have the, the right to, to make this correct, we don't have to live with this forever, right? That same feeling. Um, yeah. and, and it's not, uh, and it's not perfect. It's not like you do that, and then you all of a sudden you wake, you like come back. And you're like, oh man, I'm such. I'm like a. It's it's just because like when as a kid or, or any experience like two neurons connect together, they like form a pattern or whatever, right? So it's just kind of yeah. the the whole point yeah. of it is to like if something is to happen to me now, it's to give me that extra couple seconds to think about the reaction I should have to it, right? Like let's say right. if you were cheated on in a past relationship or whatever. And you have anxiety around getting into a committed relationship. Um, you, when you revisit those times, and you'd be like, "Okay, like this didn't happen to me because I, it's something I did, or maybe it did," but you, you, you just kind of do that. It gives you a bit more strength now. So if something was to happen, is like a trigger, you can be like, "Okay, is this rational or is this irrational?" Right? Like, am I doing mm-hmm. this because of a pro- past thing, and I am just blindly not trusting this person for no reason, or am I doing it? Um, for something else right so it's just kind of, it's, it's not even to mm-hmm. like help you it's just kind of to go f- in the future you work on those triggers right um like like the counselor that i see was a big um kind of expert in like abuse like like anger management right and so a big thing for mm-hmm. anger management is there's triggers that happen to people and when you get triggered that's when the anger comes out and so the whole point is to um like work on those triggers so that when they come you recognize them you figure out why they're happening and then you'd be like okay this has nothing to do with this person or it has nothing to do with um the context i'm in i'm just this is just a trigger that's happening because of how i was treated back then or or those small t traumas or the big traumas whatever they are right so it just kind of gives you that extra Mm -hmm. tool to be like okay before i immediately react to the situation no matter what it might be let's just make sure that it's first rational and then it gives you a few extra seconds to kind of make that decision right so it's um right it's very interesting but what i was gonna say uh which is kind of actually scary is like like you said when you did that by yourself you're not supposed to do it alone or whatever right well even with somebody like at my counselor's place or whatever i did one of those things closer to the end of a session and like i got put into like a state where where what i was experiencing a lot of anxiety and then it was like okay well time's Mm -hmm. up and i was just like the whole week, man. Really? I'm oh, still kind of panicky. I can't man, go the home. whole week, I was just like, <laughs> I did not feel normal. It was so weird. And then right. came back, and I was like, Yo, we gotta. I don't know what happened, but like, like, just she's to the beginning yeah. of the session. <laughs> and he was like, Oh man, I shouldn't. Yeah. Have, we shouldn't have done it like that. Da, 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 right. So, but then as soon as we kind right. of went back and kind of did that, it was gone. Like it was. Mm-hmm. It was just so. I've never experienced anything like that. Um especially like growing up like i didn't really identify like as somebody who had like anxiety but i did i just had it in mm-hmm. different ways right like i never had a panic yeah. attack kinda, but everyone kind of expresses it differently yeah yeah so i i never had panic attacks at all but 
but yeah, I was still like so afraid every time um, I'd go to like a, well, any kind of social interaction mm-hmm. or um, just leaving the house. Like I got pretty agoraphobic at one point um, where you're just like, you don't want to go out or you don't want to answer the phone or you mm-hmm. don't want to, you know, like um, you're just like afraid of the outside world. You just want to curl up and watch TV yeah, yeah. <laughs> or it's play so video games do and that, do nothing else. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Well, especially, and I think um, that's part of the problem is that it, it's just like, it's totally like a habit. Mm-hmm. Um, like agoraphobia itself, like the fear of going outside is something where like, if you spend a lot of time inside, you, over time, if you have that particular personality, you will slowly kind of retract yeah. into, yeah. Um, and I think it's becoming a lot more calm. Well, <laughs> especially because of COVID, but um just because there's so many kids that don't really have to work, they can just kind of live with their parents and play mm-hmm. video games. There's a there's a lot of people like that, where they just they don't have enough responsibility for their own lives, mm-hmm. and it's really easy to get stuck in that rut. Right. And then it's really hard to get out of. And generally, like I think most people probably need um, pharmacological intervention in order to get out of that rut. Mm-hmm. And then they have to actually like build the mental like the healthy mental habits in order to stay out of that rut because over time you'll just kind of regress back into that mm-hmm. even with the the medication right. your brain just wants to like reach that homeostatic point right this is a um so like it's kind of like it kickstarts you like antidepressants they'll like kickstart you in such a way where like all of a sudden you can do things and it's important that you use the that right things to do the things and do the right things right. and like especially like if you can like go to counseling like hell yeah do that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think a lot of people, like a lot of the people where, where pharmacological intervention doesn't really work, it's because they just take the meds and they don't do, to feel they don't better. use that, mm-hmm. they don't use that kickstart to create the mental habits that actually last. Right. This is a great segue because the thing I wanted to talk about was habits actually, because I started reading Atomic Habits by James Nestor. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, great book i have only got a chapter in so right? far but it's so far it's one of those ones where i'm just like man this is instantly a top 10 in in self-help <laughs> yeah. development um yeah one thing i'm finding interesting though like so basically i have in my mind a strict kind of like morning schedule right but mm-hmm. like last week for example which is why i skipped the podcast or whatever it was just because my whole mm-hmm. thing was out of whack and i just could not get on track like i uh, and right. I'm, I'm stuck in this spot where i'm trying to figure out am i overworking myself or am i just being lazy right like that's kind of the mm. the balance because because what i like to do right. is i'm trying to see if i can get by on six hours of sleep is essentially the thing um which is a very like highly debated topic in like I'd recommend against it. <laughs> so what what do you Personally. get for? Like seven, eight? Like, so me personally, like I need so much sleep. So like I generally get like nine. Holy. Um, but uh, I know like that's kind of, I know that's pretty abnormal. Mm-hmm. Um, generally like between seven to nine is what most people need. Um, and if like, if you can get by with seven, great. But like, it, you really should try to get eight. Like mm-hmm. you should try to get because it's like any any gains you might get in the short term are going to be losses in the long term. Right. Because um, it's just really bad for your brain to get less than seven. Mm. Um, and I don't think there's a single study that says less than seven is good. 
Right. Unless you're like, oh, unless you have like a pretty oh. like super, super rare genetic abnormality that mm -hmm. enables you to do that. Which I've read that a few um, people have that or whatever, and they can kind of. But it's like, it's it's like it's less than 0.1 or something. Yeah, it's like I, super I, rare. The thing that I read was like, if it was rounded down to a number, it would be zero sort of thing. Zero yeah, percent right. of the yeah, world. Yeah. But there is like Jocko Willink is is one example, I guess. He yeah. gets six so there hours. Are, right? there, yeah, there are people. There's some people that get a lot less. But like, if you even if you like if you look at the famous people that have been that have not slept all that much like there's a there's a couple u.s presidents that would only get like three or four hours a night right and like most of them die of dementia or they die of like something to do with their heart or their like cardiovascular system blood pressure like all that stuff gets thrown out of whack mm -hmm. when you're not getting enough sleep so it's um, interesting so that like, you say eight because am i like self -study? it depends so like if yeah. you just get up naturally after seven that's right. probably fine. Right. Your brain's pretty good at knowing what you need. But so, um, so that, to well, that point, of, although though, I'll, I'll definitely overdo it if I'm yeah. allowed to. Because to, to that point, like I find when I get six hours, right? Okay, so let's say I go to bed at 10 o'clock, right? Mm -hmm. Six hours after 10 is four o'clock. Um, yeah. I'm, and then I used to get up at 5.30, which would be seven, seven and, a half. and a half hours, right? Which is good because that's also breaks up into ninety minute sessions, which is generally how you. But sleep also schedule. the six hour does, right? Yeah, six hours does too. So what was interesting is that I found I had a much easier time getting up and staying awake at four than I did at five thirty. Um, and, and sorry, I think I actually had it at five, so it was kind of in that middle of that one and a half hour ninety minute right. schedule. But eight hours isn't in that. 90 minute yeah. schedule so yeah. to me it should either be seven or nine hours right it should be seven and a half or nine yeah or seven and a half or so, nine yeah so is it eight just yeah, because true. like you're probably pretty much awake and then all of a sudden you're just on average like, yeah okay gotcha yeah, yeah i guess like if you're trying to make like a solid schedule i'd go for like try seven and a half and do that for a couple of weeks and if you feel like you're exhausted try nine mm -hmm. um and also, like, you also don't get to sleep instantly either. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I find which is why, like, that's why generally when I say eight, like, that usually works out to seven and a half. <laughs> right, right. Because, like, you get into bed and you check Reddit or whatever. And then mm -hmm. by the time you're actually asleep, it's half an hour's past usually. Well, and what I find, okay, so first of all, um, do you use any kind of sleep tracking apps? No. Oh, you should, you should start using this one called Sleep Cycle. Um, I have mm -hmm. it and it's, it's pretty sweet. I'm going to show you a picture um, of, like, Oh, sick. Yeah, so okay. basically, it works off the microphone. It used to do the gyroscope, but the microphone was proven to be more accurate. Um, and sense. so I've got 500 days, I think, like tracked or whatever. Not like in a row, but for the most part. Um, and you can do all sorts of things like, oh, did you drink coffee? Were you up late? Were you drinking? Da, 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 right? Um, but what's cool is that it shows you when you, like how long it takes you to get to sleep. Mm -hmm. And then it shows you those cycles. Or whatever right. um, so it's really quite interesting um, and then also gives you like the quality of sleep and it also kind of creepily has a snoring tracker so if you snore <laughs> it will record you and you can listen right. to you snoring it's very weird but um, really cool um, where I, I was going with this was um, I don't know <laughs> but, um, but it, like quality of sleep matters yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Sorry, where I was going with this was I'm trying to figure out, like, because I'm trying to figure out when I would know if I'm just being lazy or, like, not disciplined versus do I need to sleep 
for longer right mm -hmm. like how do i figure out not that i think i'm part of that one percent but how do i figure out if what i like like for this morning for example right like yesterday i went to bed at at or two days ago i went to bed at 10 uh, or like 9 45 and probably slept mm -hmm. at like 10 and then okay. i woke up at four o'clock and i felt totally fine and i went to the gym and i did all that mm -hmm. and i came home and had my day and it did my morning schedule and it was great today uh and last week for example um i just kind of kept giving in to that snooze cycle right and i was just like but i woke mm -hmm. up at four i got up at four and i was just like okay i'm i'm good and then i basically talked myself into being like ah we don't need to get up and it's cold out there so i'm trying to figure out like is that a am i overtired or is that a habit that i need should be trying to work on right i guess that's kind of like what mm -hmm. i'm trying to figure out is it is a discipline issue or is it a my body's telling me that it's incorrect right right um, which is something i'm trying um, to hope to figure out yeah and also i mean right now is also a tough time to figure that out because the days are getting longer um and this is one thing i wanted to talk about was like are you do you find you're affected by the darkness much or so, like getting up in the dark and the cold um like do you get that seasonal affective disorder at all or do you kind of like that depression do pretty almost? well with that yeah, like, um, do you feel like kind of shit in the morning <laughs> when you I, get up in the dark? Yeah, I don't know that I really feel it that, like, this is the problem I think that I face in a lot of these things is that I don't really feel that in the moment. But when I look back on like a mm. two week period or whatever, I'd be like, man, I've been kind of sulkier or whatever. Um, right, so right. <clears throat> I think, yes, I feel that. Um, what's, what's really nice about Saskatoon, which is different from Kelowna, is that it's always sunny or no here. daylight savings well there's no daylight savings time but oh, it's always right, right, right. sunny um like we always even if it's really right. cold there's tons of sun now that doesn't help you at four in the morning because it's dark as hell outside um but it's right. it's gonna be interesting because in Kelowna, yeah, you get more sun yeah it was cloudy and and all that kind of stuff and maybe you got yeah two weeks of sunny weather during the winter um and i definitely felt yeah i remember my aunt I remember my aunt saying that where she, she, they moved from Alberta to BC mm -hmm. and seasonal affective disorder became a thing because mm -hmm. we just had, we were overcast a lot. Right. And um, in Alberta, the same thing is just like Saskatchewan where it's just like, it's colder, but the sky is always blue. Yeah. It's, it's, much. I quite like it actually. And, and just a quick little tidbit, mm -hmm. I'm really enjoying my time in Saskatoon. It's pretty, it's pretty, it's a cool city. Oh, yeah. It's way different, right? It's a nice change. Um, so nice, but yeah. So I'm not sure. So I'm so I'm, glad that's yeah. really good to hear. It's on so Ontario's. I pretty, hear so much like negative. Or... Uh yeah. <laughs> it, where I am in Guelph, it's very mm. similar to the Okanagan in right. terms of um, weather. It gets a little bit colder, um, and it gets like a little, little more rain, a little more humid. Um, but as far as like darkness goes, like. Yeah, I'd say like there's definitely more like right now it's it's at six o'clock in the morning it's pretty dark still mm -hmm. um so like yeah I notice it like I'm going to sleep in the dark and waking up in the dark right um which sucks I like I'm not a fan of it but uh like I I usually do a lot better especially when it comes to like making new habits and and keeping up with like exercise and stuff I'm way better in the summer than I am in the winter mm -hmm. and I think that's part of it and um one more thing sorry about mm -hmm. sleep was you said you drink coffee right yeah i'm drinking a cup right now <laughs> yeah um 
do you drink coffee throughout the day or just in the morning? Usually just in the morning. Um, I, I don't really okay. drink it towards the night at all. Because so coffee actually has quite a long half-life in your system. And even if even if like the, the immediate effects don't last that long, mm. it lasts in your body for quite some time. Right. Um, and the people that claim that, you know, I can I can drink a cup of coffee and then go to sleep. Mm -hmm. um, that's true for some people. They can get to sleep, but their sleep will be terrible. Right. That's very similar they, to they alcohol. And alcohol is the same and marijuana is the same where right. it, it, uh, it um, shuts down. Like it doesn't let you get into deep sleep. Mm -hmm. Inhibits your sleep cycles or just right. like fucks up your sleep cycles. Right. And, I mean, you imagine like your brain is trying to do a pretty complicated thing. Yeah. If it's drunk, <laughs> it's yeah. not going to be able to do it. Like you're, you're impaired. Your sleep is impaired in the same way you're impaired when you're awake. Yeah, definitely. So you're um, impairing your impairment. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, like that's a, so that's a big thing too, is, is I, I try not to drink coffee after 12, mm -hmm. like PM. Interesting. I, I'd say I'm probably um, pretty similar to that. Um, I, 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 cause I know that if it's kind of weird, I used to be one of those people that could drink coffee and then not really feel it and then whatever. And then now it's like, I, I feel it. And even if I have, it's kind of like my body tells me like it, around five, four, four PM, 5 PM, my body is like, no, we probably shouldn't have any coffee because I'm, I, I definitely experience those more active like tendencies or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, me too. Like I, I feel coffee hard. Yeah. I, I couldn't sleep if I drank a cup of coffee at seven. Right. No way. Another thing on the, just the whole sleep thing too, is I find that this is the other thing that I'm trying to figure out is if I'm overworked or whatnot is because I have such a busy day, um, both kind of mentally and, and physically. So it's quite nice because in a regular day, like let's say if I take my 10 to four sleep schedule, I get up at four I, or usually around four and then wait in bed until 4.30 or whatever. Then I get to the gym uh, for like 4.45 and I'll work out until like 5.45 or 5.30 or whatever. <clears throat> and then um, come home, do my eight, nine, 10 hours of work and then have, usually what I'll do is I'll supplement with a nap, you know, 20 minutes here, uh, depending. And then I will mm -hmm. go train. And then by the time I come home from training, it's usually around eight o'clock. And when I hit the pillow, it's like, I am out and it, and it feels really good. And I have really high quality right. sleep. That's good. Results. Yeah. That's really good. Um, so it's, it's interesting. Yeah, I've also, that. I've also never had the, I've never had a problem getting to sleep either mm -hmm. where like I'm, I'm always able to get to sleep quite quickly, which right. I, I know like that's pretty lucky for <laughs> to have. <laughs> um, but uh, that's awesome if you can go to sleep really quickly. But yeah, so at the same time, so I feel really good, I would say during those days, but um, I'm trying to figure out if that's more of a long-term thing or, or like, cause for example, last week pretty much except it blew up, right? And it was just like every single day mm -hmm. I didn't do anything. I didn't do cold showers. I didn't do any of the things right. that I was doing for a very long time. Like I did a cold shower for a straight month. I didn't even touch the hot water. Last week was the first time mm -hmm. I took a warm shower and I was just like, man, yeah, what is happening? But then it's, it's so hard to be a healthy person. like. Cause I was looking at, okay, so I kind of like took, I was doing those meditation phases or whatever. And I kind of took myself away from the situation. I kind of was looking at my routine. I was like, okay, yeah, sure. I'm trying to get these hours of sleep and I'm trying to go to the gym. But then I was like, well, I don't really have time to eat that healthy, right? I don't really have time to do the other things like the balance, right? Mm -hmm. And then I was like, man, this is, this is so hard. Like why, <laughs> why can't it just be, you know, you think you're doing so good, you're doing so good. And then your box, like your four sides, they get a little bit unbalanced or whatever. Right? Yeah. And all of a sudden you're, 
you're working welcome welcome to adulthood man yeah i guess so, <laughs> I, yeah i've definitely like the last couple weeks i've because i've i've been um i've had to be getting up earlier to go to work and and like i just had like a, a busier schedule with work right i've definitely been like like lacking on the exercise front so like certain there are definitely certain you get to see which of your habits are like the most elastic like which ones mm. will stick around um i've been pretty good for meditation right um i kept that mostly because like when i when it comes to anxiety for me it's it's almost exclusively in the morning that i get anxiety uh, anxiety um, around what aspect like getting up and going to work or or more so just... yeah yeah just like getting out just like doing my doing my job right. <laughs> um just because i don't know I, I, like part of me feels like it just comes from like laziness but i know that, that that's not really it it's it's just like a i'll get like a tension where i just right. you know i just want to sleep more you know or mm -hmm. i want to just like lie down and do nothing today. and that's the same feeling that i get like for example this morning i i didn't get up at four i slept in until mm -hmm. five and it's five thirty five six seven seven sleeping into yeah, yeah. sleeping true. in i was actually Honestly, terrible for I, you um yeah i i would say like yeah i i wouldn't go for six hours i'd go for seven and a half mm. i think that would be i think you'd get a lot more out of that right i, I might try Personally. that it's just so hard to try to fit everything i know right? <laughs> yeah you might have to slack on one thing but that's, that's the, the other thing part. too so so just real quick before we transition to that topic um yeah sure just on the uh shoot what were we oh yeah so the anxiety around like work for example like i get that right mm -hmm. it, for me it comes yeah. in a form of procrastination um and you know again talk to my counselor i was like man i i procrastinate right and <sighs> the underlying mm -hmm. feeling or underlying thought of that is the fact of like that imposter syndrome where I'm not good enough to do this job, right? So it's like I have this yeah. belief yeah, system yeah, I get that all the time too. where it's like I am not good enough, right? And so that's one of those things too where it's just like, okay, well, why do you feel like you're not good enough, right? And then that's when he would do that exercise of going kind of deep in and, and looking at where that became a thing, right? And, and it's very interesting how much that can relate to the things I'm doing now. So that's just an example of things that I experience today that may have been a result of something that happened when I was a child, right? Like, for example, getting shitty marks right. on a test and having to get signed by a parent or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so I right. found that very interesting. Revisiting that made me a lot less procrastinating. Yeah, I know, like, I've always dealt with a lot of these anxieties when it comes to, like, like work-related things, mm -hmm. that, like, my solution is always to get everything done so I don't have to be anxious about it anymore. Right. Right. So it's like an it's basically I use procrastinate or I use laziness as like a motivator <laughs> right or like I'm, I'll just get everything done and then I won't have to do anything anymore and I can just chill and not mm -hmm. worry about things and then does but it ever stop the problem is yeah the problem is when you get to graduate school <laughs> you'll have these huge projects that require long periods of time to do all the experiments and to right. do all these things and and it's just it's the first time in my life where I've had projects and and large amount of works that that can't be done in two days mm-hmm you know, it can't, it's not something I can just binge through. Yeah. Something I have to work out slowly over a long time. Um, and probably like the biggest, the biggest source of anxiety for me has been scheduling and the fact that so much of my schedule depends on other people now. Right. Where like, you know, I'll have all these meetings or I'll have all these mm -hmm. things that could change at any time. Somebody could bail. Somebody could want to move it earlier. Someone could, you know, so like my entire schedule is this um, variable shifting, changing 
variable thing. And that is so stressful for me because like, you know, all through high school and undergrad, you have this set schedule that is exactly what you're doing every day. And you'll know that weeks in advance. Whereas now it's like any day I need to be ready for somebody to get sick and I need to like go in and, and do run someone's project or I need Mm -hmm. to, you know, or I, I, now there's an application that's due in a week that I got to get on or, so there's things that come up really quickly. That must have been compounded by your homeschooling because especially as a homeschooled person, I, I believe that you get everything that you, you see exactly what you need to accomplish to get your stuff done. Yeah. Right. And yeah, so I bet you there's, totally. a, there's probably some kind of anxiety or whatever that you have around that kind of aspect that came from when you were a kid or whatever, where maybe you missed out on totally, something yeah. that you, you weren't able to do because you had schoolwork or whatever. And that, that kind of planted that seed or something, right? Like maybe there's something that's interesting. That would be, that would be cool. Mm-hmm. Cause I have like the opposite problem where it's just like all my work is these giant projects, which ha- have like scheduled out until like a year. Right. Kind of like the same thing you're facing. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's like, okay, well, you know, I got a year to do this or usually it's not a year. It's not like you have, it's not like, Hey, we have this million dollar mm-hmm. project that needs to be built in a year. Get it there. It's kind of like, Hey, we're We break it down into two week cycles, like sprints, which might actually be a good, um, tactic you can employ. I don't know if it's, if you have those blockers where you literally can't do things until they pr- are presented, but in software, we work, um, in an agile fashion. Um, so we'll make a, let's say we have a, a, a six month project, right? And um, what used to happen was this waterfall methodology where um, a client would come and they would sign a six month project and they would give you, let's say a hundred thousand dollars, right? And then you Mm -hmm. talk about it a lot at the beginning and then you think you know what they want and then you build it out. They don't see anything for six months and then you deliver. Um, That worked very seldomly because there's no feedback loop. Right. So all of a sudden, if there's one thing yeah. that was miscommunicated, um, then you end up delivering the totally wrong f- end result. Mm-hmm. Right. And then all of a sudden you have all their money and there that's when those issues happen. Right. So right. the methodology, or plus you have like an enormous project and maybe changing one little thing now is a big deal. Exactly. Yes. Or, or it might be yes. a lot more work. To exactly. Um, so the methodology that was presented then is a bit more hard to sell people on because it's not really like a, the nice thing about the waterfalls that a client would say, I have $60,000 budget. And then we're saying, yes, we'll do that in $60,000. So if we're, if we're a hundred thousand dollars, that $40,000 comes out of the company or whatever. Right? Um, so you're over mm-hmm. budget with this agile functionality. Right. There's no concept of that. It's basically, Hey, we have this project that we think is going to take about a year but we're going to do three week sprints. So, which means every two, every three weeks in sections at the beginning, we'll sit down with the product, the person that has the money and we'll say, what do you want to see at the end of these three weeks, right? This is our end goal. And basically what that allows you is constant feedback and it also allows them to change the priority. So if something happens in their business where they no longer want to focus on this one piece of software, they can just say, okay, let's just move this one up. Right. Usually it ends up in, yeah, a, they can read, we can, they can redirect their kind of outcomes too. Yeah. And you're not waiting seven months to figure out if what you built is correct. Right. It's kind of like you get mm-hmm. constant feedback. Hey, is this correct? Right. Um, and it's a bit more expensive because it, there's technically no end date, but usually they love it because they're getting exactly what they want. They see constant updates. Um, and it, and it back to what you were talking about, it breaks down that 
deadline from six months or a year even to three week chunks. Okay, what do we want to see at the end of the three weeks, right? And I really quite like that strategy and I'm starting to employ that in other areas of my life as well, where it's just like, when it comes to these goals, which I've since recently trying to change into these systems or whatever, right? Still trying to learn more about that from the book. Um, instead of having set goals, it's kind of like building these healthy systems so that, you know, I achieve these goals, whatever, like from that Atomic Habits book. Um, mm -hmm. But um, it, I'm trying to employ that strategy, same strategy, but I wonder if that would be something that you do kind of intuitively or um, something that maybe would work. I don't know. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I like that idea. Um, and of just like applying what works in other fields to every aspect of your life too. Yeah, it's, it's, and if I had employed that in high school and stuff like that, it's just such an easier, like, I guess it's a bit difficult because um, like, like it, it, in work, I don't know, schooling to me is a bit archaic where somebody says you have a deadline of this and this, and that's what you have to work with. Whereas in the field, it's kind of like, if there's an objectively interesting situation that pops up, you, you work through it as a team, right? There's not somebody saying, mm -hmm. no, that was two minutes late you get a zero um right but or, or there's a test i feel like right? that that um i think that feedback system does get built into into like grad studies more than right. compared to like other schooling systems where you you know I'll, I'll never do more than two weeks of work without showing my professor or my supervisor like what i've done mm -hmm. and he'll always be directing you in that kind of mm -hmm. way right also it's like just it, usually it's like too, once so. i'll meet with him yeah, that too, that too. But like, I'll meet with him once a week right. and ask many questions that I'm unclear on or ask him like, what do you, where do you think I should be going with this? Like, is this the right direction you think? So like, we do have that feedback built in to the research um, cycle. Right. So that's, that's really good. Um, yeah. yeah, it's, I guess like where the anxiety comes from is like at the end of the week before you've met, before I've met with him, I'll have all these questions and unknowns. Mm -hmm. um, right. So like those will be the yeah. things that have kind of like clogged up my brain. I've got all these things on my head to be like, okay, I got to ask him about all these things and clear up all these things. And you can't just like um, book them on a weekly basis for like an hour and just kind of bang those out. That's what we do. Mm. That is totally what we do. Right. So like usually I feel really good after, after I've cleared everything up. Right, I bet your anxiety goes away, right? It's kind of like your- After a meeting, counselor. it's just like, oh, okay, fresh week now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it kind of builds up across the week almost. Well, um, that's actually, And I mean, like yeah. sometimes, if it gets unbearable, I'll just go to his office and be like, mm -hmm. I got questions right now that I don't want to wait for, you know? Which is really good that um, you do that because in my field, uh, what usually happens is the type of person will regress completely, Right, so it's like if they have a question that's mm -hmm. not being answered, all of a sudden, if they just had that quick communication, they might have been able to unblock themselves right away. But what you often see and, is that and they hide. I've seen that in a lot of. Right? Sorry, I've seen that in a lot of um, undergrads as well, and, and actually, master students. Uh, um, not to group them all together, but mm -hmm. um, I've seen that in a lot of people. That's just where I've seen it so far, um, where when they don't know what to do, they are afraid to go and ask for help. Yeah. Exactly. And that totally block that basically just means they can't do anything until it's been cleared up mm -hmm. until the next natural time of right. meeting, which which works if your time of meeting is once a week, maybe. Mm -hmm. But if it's maybe once every two weeks or mm -hmm. or a month or yeah, then like you like you need you have a burning question that you that is hindering your ability to continue properly. Mm -hmm. You gotta get that figured out before well, you and that same, do any work. 
like I believe a lot of companies capitalize on on that as well. Like if you look at credit cards, for example, that whole system is kind of based on that, where it's like you could pay this off now and save yourself or, yeah. or you know just kind of <laughs> totally. let that let that run but again back to that whole procrastination or that imposter syndrome is just huge in computer science is like you d mm -hmm. don't want to ask a question because you don't want to put yourself at risk that you don't know what you're talking about right um, oh yeah that's that's throughout all academia too exactly like i'm not saying it's, it's just and it's, like and yeah. even like man i feel like even the professors like when it comes to professors asking questions Sometimes it really feels like they're trying to prove something to other professors. Like their questions are meant to be like really intelligent. And like the fact that that, that survives even to the highest levels mm -hmm. where people are scared to ask the easy questions. Yeah. And it's like sometimes like, you know, you might want to ask some of the easy questions because that's actually one of the more fundamental problems with a study. Right. Or... Um, or you're afraid you've just missed something. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I never did in elementary school or high schools. I never really, because I was always very quiet. Like elementary school is a bit different because I had friends and all that kind of stuff or whatever. But high school, mm -hmm. when I started, mm -hmm. there was a very disconnect between friend groups and whatnot. I obviously went to a different high school than everybody else. Um, and so I just never, mm -hmm. like I just kind of was like, okay, I'm going to be the quiet kid and I won't ask questions, right? And that had to change when right. I got kind of like into a job or kind of college where I was just like, this is ridiculous. Like I need to ask like nobody else is going to ask this question, right? And and so it's just kind of like now. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. There was a guy in engineering in my year, um, and he was notorious for asking like, you know, there's no such thing as stupid questions, but man, like he would ask the simplest, most basic questions right. all the time, like all the time. And he would and like, it. He got to be like notorious for it. There were professors hated him. Right. Like half the class would laugh when he asked his questions. Oh, like he basically made a fool of himself asking these dumb basic questions all the time. But then, but like by the end of the semester, like everyone thought he was an idiot. But I remember in our it was like one of our final um, assignments for this one particular physics class. There was this question that nobody could do. Hmm. Nobody could. And he was the only one that figured it out. And I remember him showing it to me and being like, I have no idea how you figured this out. This is insanely complicated and like just requires so many steps that I never would have thought of. Right. Um, and it was, it was like in that moment when I realized like, you know what, like you're asking the basic questions, but you actually know all this stuff way better because like you're we might asking. be unclear, but we might just expect it to clear up later mm -hmm. or we might just be like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to ask that just because like, you know, everybody kind of knows what that means. But honestly, man, like that, like him asking all those questions just solidified all those ideas in his head. Yeah. And made everything 100% clear to the point where, like, yeah, he was, he was like the top student. That, that, and it just shows, such... it goes to show where, like, man, asking the dumb questions is like putting yourself out there is totally worth it. Mm -hmm. Um, well, that's and that, like, like, that's going back to like his, something I've always like looked up to and like right. admired and, and uh, that was another. That was a thing about uh, Richard, Richard Feynman is like a kind of a role model for me. He's a famous physicist. That was one thing that like he did all the time was he would put himself out there and make himself look like a complete idiot all right. the time. Um, but because of that, like so many people thought he was an idiot, but he ended up being like literally like the, one of the smartest people mm -hmm. on the planet. Which and and that's something that I do kind of um, not to like <laughs> pat myself on the back or whatever. But like I yeah. I have. <laughs> There's, there's, I am extremely humble, yeah. and uh, I have such a such no, a I, yeah. um, like I also have the impulses where like man, I don't feel like I don't know how I'm in this position where I'm being paid 
to build these projects or whatever, right? But I'm also the type of guy who'll just be like, because there's a channel that I have in, in every group and, and obviously it's Slack and all these other discords and all that stuff, right? You're basically, mm -hmm. whenever you ask a question, you're shooting it out there to everybody, right? And so I have absolutely no shame. Like I will just ask anything, right? Because, and, and, and the nice thing about Google is that you can ask those stupid questions and the only person that has to respond to you is Google. So you don't have to get that. Yeah, true. But what is really interesting to me is that that kid in that physics class must have some like extraordinary, really good belief system that he has. Because for me, if I was to ask a stupid question, everybody's to laugh. Oh, that would be a tough thing to recover from. Yeah, right. Right. Or if even if the professor, well, even the professors would get yeah. upset because like he would he would ask. Yeah, he like he would ask. He'd just be like, "Could you just explain that again?" He would just ask them to reteach it. Right. <laughs> and they'd be like, "No, like you took notes, like you're." We're done yeah. like i'm gonna reteach it to you or like come to my office um and yeah like there was definitely like teachers talked back to him like a lot mm -hmm. and he was kind of a whiny like a little whiny too but but um he was also like he was such a nice guy outside of class too right um, so do you think that was just great just great guy all around I, yeah it sounds like a very it would be really cool you should see if we get him on this podcast <laughs> but um <laughs> i wonder do you think that uh, do you think there's like a dichotomy in terms of um, like, do you think he could have just taken better notes and then reviewed his notes and then went separately to ask those questions? Or do you think it was actually to his benefit that he asked those? Like, like was there ever a time where he asked a st stupid question and um, it like worked out? Like the professor was like, oh, actually, da, 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 da. Or was it mostly? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure yeah. it did. Well, he asked so many questions, it had to have. <laughs> and it, what, well, what was funny is like every professor knew him because he right. was like, notorious. Notorious, yeah. Um, which I mean has its own benefits. Um, you know, being the like all press is good press. Like having everybody know who you are. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Pretty good too. But, um, but like, I, like. I think there's also something to using a little bit of humiliation to help you remember things. Like True. any dumb question I've ever asked or dumb, like any question I've asked that I've realized how stupid it was. You know, if somebody, if, if you get laughed at, you're never going to forget it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> this is tactic. Um, yeah. That's interesting. So if you either like attaching some kind of emotional quality to a question is also a tactic i mean well i guess that's the whole point of work out for you. like studying and some things like if you color code different things you're trying to make a pattern or whatever right like very memorable also if you if your if your brain is always opening or like open to asking questions and is constantly engaging with the professor you're just going to retain information better because mm -hmm. your brain's just set up for that process it's just like taking in information analyzing it asking it well and on the um, self-help side you're just going to be well, more engaged you're you're also giving yourself that um like I am, you know, it's like that I am smart. Like I, you you have a heavy belief in yourself that you can do those things, right? Whereas maybe I'll have a question and I'll decide not to ask it. Not that I think it's a dumb question, but not because of what I think my peers might think about me, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that is a huge quality. Like if you, that's the whole point of this is where like, if you think, if you have a question and you don't want to ask it because of something not related to the topic, but more so related to your personal life of, oh, I don't want to be seen as that guy that asks a stupid question or whatever that's such a bad habit to get into because then all of a sudden that will reflect in other areas of your life where you might need to make a decision, but you don't want to because of some totally irrational thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So that, that's a very interesting, um, 
Yeah, that's a great that's a great story. It almost sounds like it's a was meant to happen, right? Like that guy's going to go on to become some physicist and that's going to be in his Wikipedia page. <laughs> yeah, well, I think part of it too comes from not um, like having a really secure circle of people that you get your external or or maybe just not getting uh, not really caring as much about external validation as much. Either. Yeah, it's insecurity. It's um, what it is. I know like he had like a tight community because he was like he was a, a really devout Muslim. So like his whole like community was super tight. Open. So like yeah. open and, and like so I'm sure like he probably would have gotten a lot of um just like support from that community rather than needing it from the academic or like really doesn't you know, not really needing it as much. Right. He's from, not he's not depending uh, on from the people around him. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, especially if, if he comes from a community where like everyone's kind of successful and and this is just like, you know, this school is, all it is is a tool for you to get the knowledge to, you know, mm-hmm. have your career in engineering. And he's married now. Right. Um, yeah, he's, and, he's, uh, he's, to him, school is just a thing that he just needs to do. Yeah, like I feel like, I feel like yeah. some people have, when you have a community that's like super tight knit and, and kind of provides all of these things that we have to work on, you know, all the time. And like, we have to like go out and like be like, okay, I have to have some kind of like social uh outlook and i have to have some kind of validation from this these mm-hmm. people like if that's all just a given or like you know i mean i'm pretty sure like his i'm pretty sure his marriage was arranged like he doesn't have to worry about any of that shit mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know yeah, it's just like enough. so many aspects of your life that you don't have to worry about that are just cut out and you right. can just focus on certain things I, I think there's there's certainly something to be said about having a community that mm-hmm. just like i think just removes those aspects from your life right and to that to that point too, there's a guy that when I went to computer science school or whatever, like a lot of the people were my age, which would have been right out of high school and whatnot. But there's a couple guys who were older returning students, or they had full careers and they wanted to change. And those guys did the best because it, it was kind of just like they don't have another shot at this, right? So they don't care about any of the things that I'm like. They don't have to worry about making insurance money or going to work and having this. It's like no, no, no. they're coming to school. And they're going to like get this shit done and like be on with their life, right? Because if they don't, it will have like like to me, if I fail a year, I could just go back and do it again. To them, if they fail a year, it could be the meaning of like, oh man, I'm gonna be, get like a totally screwed or something. Right, like that, yeah. Right? Like, so yeah, it was the same in engineering where like there's already people that are established, people that already have, they already know what they're coming to learn. Like they're, yeah. when they're picking courses, they're choosing courses that are like specific to their job. So they also know what's important. They know what is, this is an area that's going to be useful that I can bring back right. um, to what I was doing. And you have like, you come you come with a different perspective um, and being able to apply these courses. So you, like, you know what's important, what's not important, what to like emphasize. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it just like gives your, it gives your degree more direction. Right, yeah, for sure. Whereas like me going in blind, I don't know what's going to be useful afterwards. Yeah, I'm just no, taking, exactly. I'm just courses because they sound interesting. Or yeah, and I think that's probably even um, worse when you have a course that you just need to have as a requirement. You don't care yeah. about it, or you don't like the subject or whatever. And that to me was the biggest issue with school, especially university, is why why I went to the college is because the college was very applied and kind of more of a trade. Yeah. Whereas yeah, and man, I like I wish if I had done it over again, like. Well, if I had done engineering over again, I would have definitely done the college route first and then transferred because I probably would have I would have done the college route and then transferred to UVic probably. But because um, the guys that did the college program 
first and then transferred into UBC, like, man, they were so ahead of us in terms of actual applicable skills. Right. Because like hands on work. Or... They might have had like a little bit less uh, mathematical Theory. knowledge or whatever, but yeah. they, they may would have made up for that throughout the program. Mm -hmm. um, like these guys were just self directed, they're more independent already. Right. For sure. And that's something we didn't really, we didn't get that. You know, all of our projects were team projects. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we're just a bunch of kids, not like we didn't really know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, know? you don't know, I don't why know what I'm doing at know. that point. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's more just like who you know at that point and what resources you have. And, um, which is why, like, the people that win all the competitions are usually the people that are already kind of established. So they actually know what things to buy and how to right, do things. Right, right, right. Sure. <laughs> well, we got a few minutes left here. I just want to ask you a quibble. Um, just questions in terms of like the habits book that I was reading, or whatever. Do you have like systems yeah, sure. that you have developed that yourself, or did you like what was your biggest takeaway from that book? And I've only been a couple chapters in, like I said, but I'm interested to know if there was something that you took away from that book that was like this was game changing. Um, I think like a lot of it just like made sense to me in terms of just like, um, if you have a particular thing you do every day, like adding a thing onto that is pretty easy or, but I think like one of the main things for me was it wasn't actually uh, for adding habits. It was more for re removing negative, negative habits right. and talking about how like, it's really like, if you have something that's and like, if you have a negative habit, like it's really easy. Certain things are really unhealthy, habits are really easy to acquire. Right. They're easy. Like, they're, um, don't take effort yeah so like a lot of the book is on like how to like make it harder to acquire negative habits and how to make it easier to acquire positive habits because it seems to be the balance is kind of in the opposite the mm -hmm. balance by default is that it's really easy to acquire negative habits really hard to acquire positive habits right right i see um but um one of them was just like it was saying like if you um you do something every day like you're always going to be if you if you do something good every day you're always going to be getting better at it but if you do something negative every day or even if you don't do anything at all you're you're losing that every day like and especially with the negative you're actually getting you're getting better at that negative thing right right yeah fair enough you're reinforcing so like, that negativity yeah you're reinforcing that negative thing so like that's why like if you have a negative like if you're a smoker or whatever like that is compounded over the course of your entire life right um and with like bad sleep same with bad thoughts negative thoughts um and so like just like getting in your head that like it's not worth it like some of those things just aren't you know maybe it's not that bad today but mm -hmm. over the course of my life is it going to be bad right yeah. right that's tough that's a tough um, that's a good good insight to that I like the the biggest takeaway I have so far it's is like, that whole um, being one percent better in what you do or whatever. Like so that that example mm -hmm. that they were looking at that that bike team in in the UK where they yeah. did a single yeah, race. Yeah. So then they started looking at okay maybe if we use different massage gels or if we um, yeah do different. They were just like make the tiny things. gains in the tiniest little areas, but if you do it enough times, it adds up. Yeah, or yeah. just like just just that was, the fact yeah, that, that it's like, you know that's very interesting. Like, and, and I was like immediately like, oh, if I just check my posture a bit more than a few times, maybe that's one percent. You know, it's yeah, totally, totally awesome.
um, or just like smile more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's easy right yeah. now because the uh, easy right now because the masks. I'm just mm. like, man, I should just like try to be like smiling all the time, right now, and see if I can make it a habit while like no one's like no one's gonna be looking at me being like, are you smiling? Yeah, that's a great. <laughs> that's a great uh, thing actually. That's a great tip. That's wow. No wonder that would be a. F- I'm gonna try that. Actually, well, you don't have in the, in the past. I've always been like, yeah. In the past, I've always been like, like I know that like if if you're just smiling, like no one's gonna be like, oh, why is that motherfucking smiler? Yeah. Like why why are you smiling? Um, no one's thinking that. Mm-hmm. Everyone's just like, wow, he's happy. Yeah. Or like even <laughs> um, you'll get whereas, a smile but back. if I'm walking around, I don't want to smile because I'm just like oh, I feel weird smiling. But yeah. like if you can just make that your default that you're just like a smiley person, like do it. Like you'll feel better and people will. Be happier and better around you, and that just mm-hmm. reinforces it. Yeah, like, you, you, yeah, it's, people it's like awesome. people. Cool. Well, I got to get back to work, but I think this was probably one. Of yeah, the me best, too. That's awesome. Best uh, episodes we've had so far. Agreed. We're just getting better every time, man. I think uh, the voices or our communication is is a lot better as well. I'm quite. I'm actually totally actually, actually just being able to, yeah, being able to hear myself too makes a big difference. Yeah, definitely, hundred percent. All right. Thanks. Uh, for listening uh, and uh, anything you want to say, dude? Thanks, mom. <laughs> yeah. Shout out, <laughs> mama. All right. All right. Yeah.